We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, October 30th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Derek Van Riper is with me today. We're recording this at about 9 o'clock Eastern on Monday. I got no sleep. No sleep. Baseball was, that was a bananas, crazy, insane, ridiculous baseball game. And I feel good that I redeemed myself after falling asleep before the end of game two that I got to watch game five. Yeah, the, the East Coast time zone is not good for anything that runs late like that so that's uh it's an understandable spot to be in i mean it's got to be even worse for for everybody in your time zone i'm in i'm in the midwest so i'm on central time i stayed awake just fine up through the eighth inning and i was starting to get tired and after the dodgers put up one in the top of the eighth after that inning ended i thought all right this this is probably the end of the game the crazy stuff is over. I'm very tired. I don't want to sleep through this on the couch. I'd rather just go to bed and get a good night's sleep. And like an idiot, I decided to sleep. So I missed the Dodgers rallying back to tie it in the ninth. And I missed the game winning hit from Alex Bregman in the 10th as they happen. But can you think of a game where basically the two aces for a team 
pitched in a World Series matchup. 25 runs were scored <laughs> and anything resembling the way they were scored last night happened. No, I mean, I can't I can't at all. And, and I'm sure someone could remind me. I mean, someone pointed out um, one of the Phillies Blue Jays games was a 15-14 or something. Um, I don't know if it was 93. Well, not 94. So it was 92 or 93. Um, check the box score on that. But yeah, this was just it was insane. And like you said, you know, I mean, Kershaw, I mean, going way back to the beginning of all the ups and downs in there. You go back. Kershaw had a four nothing lead. I mean, yeah. you're like, OK, lights out. Right. Forget I, it. I was convinced I was watching the game, finishing up a few things like we you know, make our food for the week. A lot of it on, on Sunday night. So I'm watching the game and kind of just seeing Kershaw open his lead. I'm like, all right, this is it. Houston's got to go back and win two in L.A. And, and then I, I don't know what it was like. The command just wasn't there. He, he walked a few guys and it kind of got in his own head, it seemed like, and never quite recovered. And I mean, the big momentum shift, of course, was just the Astros tying it in yeah. the fourth inning. I think it was the, the, the four run fourth inning was such a huge momentum swing. I mean, that might be. Ultimately, the, the point everyone looks back at and says that's when they actually won the series because they put up that four spot against Kershaw. Maybe it was the fifth, though, because the Dodgers come back after the after Houston ties it. The Dodgers come back and I think Bellinger hit that three run homer in the fifth. Right. At that point, you're like, all right, it doesn't matter what Houston does. They can't. They just can't keep up tonight. It's just not their night. They come back, get two runners out against Kershaw and Homer in the fifth off of Kenta Maeda to tie it again. And it's just like, wow, like this is, this is going to be probably the best series I can remember for, for a world series matchup. I mean, game two is crazy like this too. Both game five and game two this year have been on the same level as game seven between the Cubs and Indians last year. And I think last night's game, it had even more twists and turns somehow than game seven of the world series last year. Absolutely. It did. And I was trying to think of other game. I mean, other series. I know 1991 was great with the Braves and the Twins. That that that's probably my favorite. Um, Yankees Diamondbacks was really good. I know I'm a little biased there, but with the with the late heroics in different games was I. It wasn't it wasn't great all the way through. It was I think what three insane endings. Um. Yeah, I, I think that that in the fourth inning, Gurriel's home run, I, 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 it was almost like that ball was on a tee. It was first pitch, I think, right? Yeah. And he just swung out of his shoes. It, like he knew exactly what was coming and where it was going to be. And he hit, yeah. it, I mean, he hit it to the moon. So Absolutely killed it. Yeah. Um, and had, teeing off on Kershaw like that is pretty interesting. But yeah, and Altuve's home run in the fifth. What a, what a game. Like I said, I, I started dozing seventh and eighth. I was fading a little bit. And then I woke up bottom eight and I said, all right, I, I got to stick it out. And then I couldn't. And then I was hoping that the Dodgers wouldn't tie it because I wanted to go to sleep. And that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it was over, it ended at 140 Eastern and I was completely wired. So I think I fell asleep at three o'clock in the morning. So I wonder if this World Series is happening right now and last year's World Series, if these if these types of finales to a season if they are going to help bring in a, a younger fan base right i mean that's been the the ongoing story for baseball is that people are 
they're aging in the audience. The average age was like 55 of game two viewers or something like that, according to Darren Ravel, who I hate to cite, but sometimes he has good information. So that's how it works. <laughs> but uh, it, I, I just think like on the East Coast, how many kids got to stay up and watch this? I mean, like I'm a grown man who chose to go to bed and I love baseball. Right. Like, I, just, I just couldn't stay awake. And I hope it's getting the attention from new fans, new potential fans that it should be getting because we've had back-to-back world series now that have been outstanding. Uh, interestingly enough too, Jonah Carey wrote a, a good article. It's got the 10 best world series of all time. He wrote it before this series started uh, and he had last year's world series as number one. Oh, okay. So uh, Cardinals Rangers in 2011 tied with the twins Braves in 1991. Okay. As the second best. And then there's some really old World Series mixed in there. Uh, the Carlton Fisk Game 6 home run in 1975. That was like top five for, for Jonah's list. So it's a pretty interesting read looking back. And the 93 series you referenced, the Jays Phillies, uh, that, that was in the top 10 as well. Okay. Um, yeah, this has been great. I agree with, look, I understand how TV works and you're trying to maximize viewership and you know, you can't leave. I'm not one of those East coast people that doesn't care about the West coast people and isn't cognizant of that they have to watch too, but you you can't. And I know most baseball games aren't, you know, four. I mean, this game, the end of nine innings was what, four and a half hours or so. Yeah. And you can't, I mean, something's gotta be, it's gotta be something different. I mean, on a Saturday or Sunday, they they did do that a few years back. They were starting earlier, right? That they were starting in in between seven and eight o'clock Eastern. And I don't know what happened there, but I thought they were starting them earlier on the weekends. A little I bit. thought I thought they saw some kind of ratings dip or something when yeah. they did that, so they went back to what they were doing. But right. I mean, and, and some people are gonna be like, "Why are you talking about baseball? It's a fantasy football podcast." Because last night's game and this series have been that good where if you are just the most casual baseball fan who pretty much ignores it, you want to watch game six and hopefully a game seven between these two teams. Right. I definitely do. All right. But we will, we will let everybody off the baseball talk, but yeah, if you just, if you didn't watch last night, just watch the highlights today. It was completely bonkers. Um, okay. Everybody, I was going to talk more about baseball. I'm not going to do it. Check us out on Twitter if you want to talk more <laughs> baseball. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at JHealth37. You can also tweet us at Rotowire and you can check the player updates at Rotowire NFL. And you can always find us on Facebook. All right, we're gonna we're gonna recap the the Sunday action. Um yeah, yesterday's long sports day. I I thought about that very late in that baseball game last night. I thought, man, I've come a long way in 16 hours from Vikings Browns. Yeah, I, I mean really you, you start off with like dry toast for breakfast and <laughs> You end up uh, just eating an entire pint of great ice cream while you fall asleep in your chair at the end of the night with that World Series game. It really was. So that, that morning game, it was close for a while. Um, if you did the Case Keenum stream thing, you're okay. Latavius Murray let us down. He got the workload, right? He, I mean, he had his opportunity and just big fat egg he laid for us. Yeah, I Fortunately, hopefully, maybe steered a few people away from him on Friday. I think we were split on on what to do with that. But I, the Browns' run defense isn't that bad, and the per carry numbers kind of bared that out again. But Jarek McKinnon did a lot of damage as a pass catcher yesterday. Uh, I saw Stephon Diggs giving a lot of high fives. He was on the field a lot. He had six targets, four catches for 27 yards. But my logic with him was that if he was going to play, he would he'd play a lot. If you're going to use him, you're not going to 
run him out there as a decoy against a pretty bad secondary. And uh, I don't really know why he was targeted less than Thielen, McKinnon, and Rudolph. But you know, I guess first game back, I should have lowered my expectations. But but they were early. he caught a bunch of passes early, if I remember, because I, I think he had that stat line in the first half. At least he had at least three of them. I think I don't have the play by play in front of me. But um, yeah, it, it looked like it was going very well early. Um, feeling yeah, nice game there. McKinnon strong game. Isaiah Crowell not bad. Finally, I mean, any optimism there, or are we still not ex- excited about him at all? I think he's still often going to be the victim of game scripts that are yeah. not favorable. And, you know, Duke got, I think, six carries to Crowell's 11. So unless the Browns can find a way to play closer games in the second half of the season, it's going to be a lot of inconsistency for him. I think Duke Johnson got hurt in this game, though, because he did concussion. Crowell, yeah, he added 54 yards as a pass catcher. And if that if that's a thing, you know, if, if Duke's out for a week or two, that changes things a little bit for Crowell because he does get that facet of the game. I think the Browns have a, a bye week, though, coming out of their London game. They so do. they come back in uh, week 10 with the Lions on the road. So who knows if Duke Johnson it didn't sound too serious, but, you know, it was it was early and the game was in London. So we, we don't have all the details just yet. All right. Let's go to uh, Falcons Jets. Um, a close game. Is Josh McCown a – the Jets – week nine, the Jets have – oh, they're playing Thursday night at home against the Bills, which uh, without checking the over-under, I bet it's going to be low. Um, and I'll take a look at a minute. Is Josh McCown – I mean, he's a legit streaming option at this point. I mean, we, 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 we got to stop blowing off Josh McCown because he's on the Jets and because he's 100 years old and was a backup for most of his career because he's putting up pretty solid numbers week in, week out. Yeah, he's been he's been nice. Uh, I've had a hard time like doing anything with him, though, like in the sense that he's putting up adequate numbers and not turning the ball over at a crazy high rate. But if you look at what he's projecting out to do, he's looking at about thirty six hundred yards, 24 TDs. That's good. It's, it's usable production when you don't like the matchup for your starting quarterback or when your starters hurt or on by. He's yep. he's definitely passable. Uh, I'm kind of curious, like what? What are the chances that McCowan actually gets traded? Like if if you're the Packers <laughs> and you saw what Brett Hundley did against the Saints and you decide it's more it's more on Hundley than on Mike McCarthy, which is certainly a matter that could be debated. Why not make a trade for a guy like McCowan? Like a, a clearly like competent veteran. I mean, we've talked about the other scenarios. They seemingly have no interest in, in going down those paths. So could could a guy like McCallan actually be traded to a team that has playoff aspirations but has a need at quarterback? I mean, would, would the Jags look at Josh McCallan as an upgrade over Blake Bortles for the rest of the season? They just made that trade. Was that Friday for Marcel Darius too? Right. I, I would think they would. Um, I mean, that would that would be a great. The problem there though is that you kind of I don't know. The Jets are three and five. They're not, so they're not in the playoff race. If they had won yesterday. You, you, your your argument to trade McCown would be a lot more difficult. I mean, I know you have to look long term, but if you if you were four and four, how do you look at the guys in your locker room if you trade that quarterback? You know what I mean? But yeah, three, yeah. Five, well, it's, it's a little it, different. It's an it's an unusual idea to trade a quarterback and have him go start for somewhere else in the same season. But 
I know Marcel Darius wasn't having a, a great year either, but it, it seemed weird that a team that has been surprisingly good, the yeah. Bills, would trade one of the best defensive tackles in the league. But that's that's been like their mo going back to August this year. It was like, hey, we got a talented guy, let's flip him. <laughs> so right. I, I hope for the sake of the people making these decisions that they are evaluating everything correctly. I know there was a big cap hit on Darius, and there's a lot of ins and outs with that, but I, I really, I was really surprised when I saw that scroll by and I thought, well, there's a guy that'll make a great defense even better. Right. But they, didn't he struggle with more? They having trouble with him up there. Like he wasn't, he was disappointing them a little bit. Yeah. He wasn't playing well. Right. Uh, I, I don't know. There's something he was excused from some practices for personal reasons, or at least one practice for personal reasons. Yeah. I don't know if he wasn't meshing with the new coaching staff. He had an ankle injury earlier in the year too. So, you know, if he's fully healthy, goes to Jacksonville, you could see him making a pretty big impact. And again, what's already, I think, a really nice Jacksonville defense. Yep. Um, also, I had I had someone ask me on Twitter, what do I do about Devontae Freeman? Is he going to be OK? Because the last three weeks, he doesn't have any touchdowns. But to the person who asked me that, if you look at Devontae Freeman's season long numbers, they're kind of on target. I mean, they're close. Right, right now, he's on pace for, let's say, totally yards from scrimmage. In seven games, he's got 585 yards. Last year, he was at about 1,500. So he's a little low on yards. Last year, he had 13 touchdowns. He's got five now. So he's a little low, but not, I mean, basically right within range, pretty much, of where he should be with a little, you know, deviate, touchdown deviation, a little yardage, but not a lot. So, Devontae Freeman, I know, I know if you picked him eighth overall, you're probably not totally thrilled, but not so bad, right? Well, he's 13th in like a non PPR league as far as running back fantasy points per game go. So, right. And that, that has TJ Yeldon's one game where he went off ahead of him because it's the only game TJ Yeldon played. So, really, he's been a top 12 back so far, even in non PPR leagues. I think the, the difficult adjustment you have to make with the Falcons, and, it, and it's not just Devontae Freeman, I think it applies to Matt Ryan and, and Julio Jones to an extent too, is how much less do you expect the offense to score? Like how many TDs? Like it's, a, it's a less a yardage trim for me and, and more a, a touchdown adjustment because if they're scoring considerably fewer touchdowns, that's going to eat away at the production a lot more than, you know, missing 20 yards from scrimmage, 25 yards from scrimmage for Freeman and maybe 40 yards a game for Matt Ryan. Like right. if, they're, if they're down a TD and a half going forward, compared to what some people expected. That's a lot of points they're not putting up. That's absolutely a lot. All right. Um, Panthers-Bucks, not a fun fantasy game. Um, Panthers defense is excellent. Uh, if you still own Jameis Winston, we're done here for 2017, right? He just, he looks, the shoulder's got to be bothered. Him. He, he just looks erratic. And, and Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I... I I don't have him again like this year. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. Just a player I didn't end up with and turned the ball over a lot against the Panthers, which is something he really had not done much this season uh, for the year. Interception rate still the lowest it's been of his career. Things are still trending in the right direction. Completion percentage is up. But yeah, it's like if you can't thrive with Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, OJ Howard, and Cameron Bray at your disposal. Right. That's a problem. I mean, it's year three. This is about the time where he has to start taking that step. We're seeing small steps and not the big one. 
So I think that's pretty frustrating. At what point do we have to give Carolina's defense more credit for being a very good defense? They're again, very good. They, they're with stat I saw yesterday. They tied a franchise record. Yesterday was their fourth game without giving up an offensive touchdown. Hmm. I mean, they're, they're very good. And yeah, we talked about that a little before the year. And I, you know, to me, I, I always think, I mean, the front seven's good, but I, I think the key is Bradbury. I think he's a really nice corner and he lets them do it. He's one of those guys that people don't, people don't understand how good he is. Um, I mean, obviously there's, you know, stars in that. I mean, Keekley Davis and guys like that are terrific. So, um, other side of that game, Pan, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, again, well, one, the, one, the, maybe the weirdest PPR versus standard guy I have ever seen. Yeah, he's definitely in that column. If, if Jonah Carey writes 10 most extreme PPR versus non PPR running backs as a column, he's going to have Christian McCaffrey high on that list. But, uh, I don't know. Jonah's probably meeting with uh, foreign leaders and, and whatnot right now because right. that's the kind of stuff he does. But um, yeah, I, I, I look at the uh, I, I look at the Panthers right now, and I just think I had such high hopes for McCaffrey in year one, and they are not being met. And it's like the Panthers are five and three. Their defense is teeing off on average or worse quarterbacks. They did get picked apart by Brady a little bit. Uh, and by Breeze, which is, you know, not a, a criminal offense at all. But right. that was week three. The Saints came in and it kind of smashed Carolina in Carolina, no less. So that was a bit surprising. Carson Wentz put a pretty good numbers against them, too. Right. So the better quarterbacks they faced have done well. And when they go up against a team with any questions on offense, it seems like that's when they really play their best. But. Uh, I, I I just don't know what to do. It, Jonathan Stewart scored, right? Like right. that's that's never, never what you want to see as a McCaffrey owner. You just wish he, McCaffrey could carve out that part of the role. But four carries, three yards. I mean, just a total disaster. And, and even yesterday, it was five catches instead of like eight. So right. the PPR output was a little less than you'd hoped. About ten points in a full PPR league yesterday for McCaffrey and. Uh, what do you what do you make of Funchess right now? Like I thought Funchess and Benjamin could both do a lot against Tampa Bay. Conditions were pretty windy in this game, though. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how much of that impacted the passing attacks. I think it might have. Um, I mean, he had six targets. I know he got a um, couple of deep looks. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was going to be better. I mean, remember, this is a team that probably doesn't throw. I mean, and, and the, you know, you, we can talk about game script again because they were ahead. But uh, that this is a team that would rather run. So your second receiver is is probably going to be subject to some not so good games. But um, the strange thing is, is they don't run it well. I know they haven't run it well all year. It's it's not, it's not just McCaffrey. It's not just like McCaffrey gets stuffed. I mean, Jonathan Stewart's per carry numbers are are pretty bad right now too. And it's not like not like we all walked into this season thinking Jonathan Stewart was going to rip off four point five yards per carry. I think we all thought. Three and a half minimum, three point eight, like you did last year, was well within reach. But he's at three yards per carry through eight games. He's been brutally inefficient as well. Right, and and when Ryan Khalil's out, it seems worse. Hopefully, he'll be back next week. Um, yeah, I don't know. Funchess is a. I, I had Funchess inside my top twenty four yesterday, so I was disappointed. But yeah, he he's going to be one of those guys where you, you can't count on him, you know. And Benjamin yesterday. I mean, not huge numbers, but he had the touchdown, which was completely misplayed by uh, whoever was 
covering him on Tampa. Basically, you, you, he, you let a 6'5 guy post you up in the end zone. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> it was bad. Our <laughs> um, right, 49ers Eagles. Is there any, is, I looked at this one. I mean, it's, this was, remember, we're doing this Monday morning, so we haven't watched everything. And, and I'm being honest, my viewing of this game was red zone. And that's pretty much it. Anything you want to talk about here? I mean, Clement, I think he got most of his, more of his carries when the, when the game was a little bit of in doubt. Um, I think the Niners are, the, the last two weeks would suggest that the Niners, who, who had played more close games than not, all their road losses had been close. And I kind of bought into that before yesterday. But I think with Brian Hoyer, they might have been a little different. Not much ceiling, but more competence at quarterback. Yeah, I I mean, I think what they're doing is is probably smart, though, in that if Kyle Shanahan likes C.J. Beathard, evaluating him for 10 starts against real NFL defenses is way smarter than trying to figure it out and practice in the preseason because you want to know, do we have our guy at quarterback or not? And the early returns are suggesting they don't, but a lot can change, of course, over a half season. I mean, I was surprised Wendell Smallwood in the game where the Eagles won this big only had two touches. Right. That, that was kind of surprising that Clement kind of stepped ahead of him. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt had the TD, so Blunt was the better back of the two today or yesterday. But I, I'm just looking at these these numbers, and it's like Philly didn't have to do a lot to win this game. Right. And that was, that was a fear I had of going overboard with Eagles in DFS. So I, I didn't have Carson Wentz going. He did fine game 211 two scores just not the kind of game that that wins a tournament for you uh Elshon Jeffrey scored if he wouldn't have scored it would have been a disappointing day because it was two catches on eight targets but right. 62 yards and a TD for him and the touchdown was a complete 50 50 ball that he went up and took from the guy yeah I mean he's he's a, but he's a good he's a really good player like I I think that was a, a kind of an overlooked move at the time that it happened and now the Eagles are sitting at seven and one I mean they're they're in the driver's seat in the NFC we've talked about it all year but they are taking control of the conference right now they sure are um okay bears saints Bear, bears played another close game i mean i, I thought i thought the saints were going to thump them and and this is you know not just all of a sudden getting sold on the saints but i just thought the saints would take care of business with the bears and i thought that you know trubisky would have to do more and it wouldn't go that well it didn't go i mean it wasn't good i mean trubisky's numbers weren't good but they ran the ball pretty well. You know, they, they're committed to the run and they run, they seem to run it pretty well. Um, otherwise in this game, Oh, I want to ask you without looking, how many receptions does Mark Ingram have seven games? 24, 30. That is pretty darn good. It's a lot more than I would have. Uh, I would have thought I, I thought 24 was the trick higher than you think answer. Cause I would put him on pace for about 48. Yeah, I mean, he's never caught more than 50. He's always been a pretty good PPR back. He's never caught more than 50, and now he's on pace to catch more than that. Probably he's, he's over 60 on pace right now. However, two fumbles for Mark Ingram, okay? This was an issue. But he, and, he and Peyton were barking at each other on the sideline after one of them. Which they've, they've had a strained relationship in have. the past. Yes. Based on what we see on TV anyway. Right. So, yeah, two fumbles, both lost. Um, hopefully that doesn't affect him going forward. If, if I owned Alvin Kamara, I would feel – I don't think they're going to ditch Ingram. If I owned Alvin Kamara, I'd feel better and better every week right now. Yeah. 
I'm having an issue with 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 Kamara. I, I thought it was Kamara too. I keep hearing TV guys say Kamara, Kamara yeah, which I, is just I, awful. Is it Kamara or Kamara? I thought it was Kamara. I think it's Kamara, and and until I. I'm going to like listen to a Saints radio guy call it because then then I'll believe it or maybe a Tennessee radio guy or girl. I I mean, I don't I don't know calls games for either one of those teams. But anyway, if, if you're looking at that backfield, things could shift. I mean, it, it's, it's been volatile for Ingram before. So, yeah, how how Sean Payton handles this coming back in their next game is is kind of interesting to watch. Drew Brees Misses 300 yards by one yard and doesn't throw a TD pass in this game. So kind of a, a disappointing game for him, even though he played played well. He didn't, didn't make any big mistakes. Right. Better real life than fantasy, for sure. Actually, yeah. it, it, that's funny. It, that reminds me, a, a buddy of mine was playing in a league yesterday. And he, his quarterback's been, he's been streaming a lot. And he's just disappointed that it's not going all that well. And before yesterday, he said, you know, should I start Keenum or should I, you know, try to make a swap for the game? And I said, no, try to start Keenum. And this is a league with a pretty significant 300-yard bonus. And Keenum threw a pass to Diggs with about five minutes left to go over 300. And it was challenged. And they determined that Diggs went out of bounds and Keenum stayed at 288. The so, worst. Oh, the terrible. absolute worst when you get to see it on, on, the, on the micro level. I mean... <laughs> If you never know about it, then it doesn't bother you the same way. But when you when you know the yards that were like actually there, yeah. and then they were just taken away, uh, it makes it a lot worse. Uh, any any concerns people had about Michael Thomas are probably gone. Seven for seventy seven, eight targets there. Clearly the number one receiver in that Saints offense. And on a day where Mitchell Trubisky threw it thirty two times, he still only had one hundred and sixty four yards. So there are some concerns about Trubisky uh, as a passer. What Trey McBride was the leading receiver yesterday for the Bears? Like what? Remember when he what got drafted and everybody thought he was such a great sleeper? It was two that, years. That was that was a thing. That was a thing. He well, he went to William and Mary. I I think if I if I have things right, he went to William and Mary, and people. He was sort of one of those guys that his draft day approaches. You know, everybody gets excited about it, these guys, certain guys when they get drafted. You know, and you feel like you remember the draft hype. And then you never hear from them again because way too many guys get hyped before the draft. And Trey McBride, who's sort of like this big physical receiver, and he played at William and Mary, and he would just go up and take the ball from everybody. And people thought he was going to be pretty good. And he, there was, I think he got drafted in the fifth. I'm actually looking at this. He got drafted in the seventh round by the Titans. But I remember there was chatter, you know, oh, he could go as high as round three. He could be a decent receiver. And, you know, and now look, yesterday when I saw that he was the leading receiver, I'm like, What? Come on. I, I mean, I know like as as fantasy football analysts, like we're not all that different than NFL draft analysts in terms of our success rates and how we can as an industry tend to throw a pretty wide net out there trying to be all over anyone or everyone who's good. Right. And even with that wide net, there are still players that come out of nowhere sometimes that end up being amazing. Uh, but yeah, you, you can. I bet you can go through any list of, of skill position players from any draft in the last 10 years. Take that name and Google, you know, Trey McBride, fantasy sleeper or D'Angelo Henderson, fantasy sleeper. And you'll find a column for every single one of them. Right. Like from someone, because I mean, there's part of it's a large industry, but there's there's always someone or a small group of people that like every single player drafted because of the what could go right scenarios. And that's, I mean, that's how sports work. If you, you play, you might be really good. 
you never you never know. But everybody likes everybody on draft day, or a lot of people like someone, and that makes everybody liked by someone. Yep. All right, um, Chargers Pats. Um, not a bad game. Um, Travis Benjamin, did you see the safety? I didn't see the safety oh my actually. God. It's he. He was a punt return. He was near the sideline. He was probably. Uh, I think he was inside the ten. And he was on the right side, and he kind of took off the other way. And you're watching him. He's going backward and backward, and you're going, oh, no, don't, 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 don't. And he ran into the end zone, and they tackled him. It was terrible. It was really mm-hmm. terrible. And that, but then, on the other side, Travis Benjamin had his best receiving day of the year. So, I mean, you know, you're still, you're still mad at him. But nine targets, five for 64 and a touchdown, I would have never expected that. But, yeah, it was, it was really – you got to watch that highlight today. It's, ter- it's, just, it's awful. But he's he's doing the things that I think some of us expected Tyrell Williams to do for oh, the Chargers man. this year. That's so bad. That guy that guy's been such a disappointment. He he was sort of a trendy mid round, you know, seventh round or so. People thought they were going to steal getting him. Yeah, I, I I bought that hype. I mean, with with Benjamin, it's still three hundred and four yards in eight games, so it's not like not like he's going off. But when they when they go his way, it's it's working again, right around nine yards per target for the second straight season, and. People were excited when when Travis Benjamin left Cleveland to go to the Chargers and injuries really started to, to slow him down uh, last season. So that that full year with Rivers and getting that opportunity never happened. But that's part of the reason why Tyrell Williams got a chance to Keenan Allen Torres ACL, too. So their production's kind of just been picking away at each other. You know, if they were one player, they'd be great. But right. there's two of them. So it's, it's maddening. All right. So the Pats running back snaps. Deion Lewis, 30. Rex Burkhead, 27. Emphasis mine. James White, 20. Mike Gillisley, 13. Now, the interesting part's there. Mike Gillisley, 13 snaps, 11 carries for 34 yards. So, everybody, if Mike Gillisley's on the field, he's running the ball, in case you're wondering. Yep, they, they are sticking with that pattern. 14 catches for the running backs between White, Burkhead, and Lewis yesterday. Lewis still had the most carries, so... If you had to start a New England running back in a non-PPR league, is is Deion Lewis barely at the top of that list ahead of the others? Um, barely. Non-PPR, barely. I got to tell you, my Rex Burkhead share, I still have one Rex Burkhead share left. And it's in Fishbowl that we talk about a lot. And damned if he isn't starting next time the Pats play, which is not this week because they have a bye. Hey, well, that's where I have my one Mike Gillisley share, so I'm really... Really thrilled about it's that. Awful. But Burke had four for 15 on the ground, seven for 68 through the air. Remember in, in camp, remember in OTAs, how much they talked about, how much they liked him, and how the beat writers were saying, because he can do everything, he'll stay on the field. I'm still in. I'm not quitting. I'm staying on this one. I don't care how long it takes, Derek. It, it's still going to be really frustrating to play any of these guys as long as all four of them are around because they all have functional utility right now in that offense and there's only only so many points only so many yards to go around right now even for a team that scores as much as the patriots usually do i saw melvin gordon with the, the 87 yard run that kind of propped up his day as a whole 14 carries 132 yards and a td people were worried about that ankle uh going into the bye week so uh, a big game for for Gordon owners in a spot where they were a little bit concerned. Are you handcuffing his backup? 
Eckler or yeah. I mean, I had I had Brandon Oliver in a bunch of leagues at the very beginning of the season. But yeah, I think if you're you're throwing a dart right now on, on a backup, Eckler would be the guy you'd do it for. But I don't know. I, I don't think I want to use that roster spot that way right now. And it's, we're kind of in the the back half of the bye weeks right now. Still got a few more weeks where we got to deal with shorter rosters. So it's even harder to roster players that do very little. Uh, but I think Eckler, he'd be like in the 10 to 15 range among the backup running backs I'd think about as right. opposed to like top five, top 10, where I'd really think about using up that roster spot in a normal league. All right. Let's go to Raiders Bills. Um, Bills, keep plugging. They're good. And the Raiders, uh, the backfield was a was a dead even split. It was, it was. I think Richard had twenty six snaps and Washington twenty five. Um, Washington was the more productive guy, especially since he got a touchdown and he had eight catches. Remember, everybody, it, not everybody, but the the conventional wisdom seemed to be that the PPR f- format would favor Richard, and and they they just seemed too similar. That they that I don't know either if either format favors either guy. I, I was leaning Washington, and, and I wound up okay with that. But, um, but basically, since Lynch is back this week, who cares, right? Yeah, I think they go back to using Lynch the way they were, and, and maybe Washington has a slight edge over Richard now for passing down work based on, on what happened in this game. Uh, Shady had a big game, 151, a TD, six catches for 22 yards. The best thing for LaShawn McCoy right now is just the lack of other playmakers in the Bills' offense. Andre Holmes scores in a revenge game, but you don't really worry <laughs> Andre about Andre Holmes' revenge game. I love it. I mean, it was it was there. So I guess if we were looking for three thousand dollars receivers that we should have thought about that that angle made sense. The revenge thing, I, I don't I don't like chase it all the time or anything, but I, I wonder I wonder how much that just depends on. I don't know the coaches, the play calling, like like who's who's really responsible when a revenge game narrative plays out the way that we all want it to, and the player scores. Right? Is it actually because the quarterback's like I'm making this guy my second read instead of the third read, or is it the coach saying, "Hey, we're going to stick it to these guys for letting this guy go because we really like him"? Like, where does that actually come from, or is it? Just, it's it's probably all just noise. It probably is all just noise. I mean, maybe if a game is forty-eight to seventeen, you let your guy get a touchdown. But yeah, yeah so that, that's not so that's not really it's, it's not predictive. It's just one of those stupid things we talk about for fun. Right. Um, otherwise, in this game, the Raider receivers, I mean, Amari Cooper got the big target load again, but it was a blowout. So it's kind of hard to gauge because we were last week when he got the 19. We were all excited and said, oh, he's finally out of the woods. And, you know, it's probably fine. Um, Colt Bengals. So the Joe Mixon complaining did not go far he did have a nice receiving he had one big reception but other than that it was kind of you know I, overall if you had him you had an okay day but rushing wise 11 for 18 it's brutal i mean against the colts too it's bad yeah it's it's really disappointing i mean they they definitely trended the workload more in his direction so i guess you can be somewhat encouraged by that um, yeah, he was their leading receiver. They didn't get much going against the Colts secondary. This was a home game for the Bengals against arguably the worst team defensively in the league. Like that's that's a really disappointing output overall. AJ Green, who I liked a ton, salvaged his day by scoring, but 
three for 27 I know. for green. That's it. I mean, Dalton played all right. 243, two TDs, no picks. The, you, know, you know what it comes down to, I think, is the Bengals offensive line. It's just it's been a problem all year. Right. Uh, they lost two starters, I want to say, going into the year. And they just haven't gelled. They haven't been able to, to make up for that. And I think that's a big part of why the running game as a whole has been disappointing and why Andy Dalton's been under pressure a lot on a week-to-week basis. Yep. Um, Marlon Mack had a really nice touchdown. Um, but unfor- touchdown catch, unfortunately. It was a catch and run. Unfortunately, Frank Gore played well again, so the Marlon Mack era is probably still on hold. Um, okay, if you're not starting Jack Doyle at tight end, you're overthinking at this point. I mean, he's they Brissett loves throwing to him. And he's a pretty good receiver. And he apparently, I don't think he can block, which is even better. <laughs> so he's 12 for 21 and a touchdown on 14 targets. Last three games for Jack Doyle, 25 catches on 32 targets. I mean, good, we're good, right? He's, yeah. he's probably a top five tight end at this point. Yeah, I, I think that's that's fair to say at this point. I mean, he's or if he's not top five, he's very close to consideration because that volume is really good. I feel bad for for T.Y. Hilton owners because I mean, we knew that Andrew Luck was going to miss some time, but it's been more than I think anybody expected. Yeah, and T.Y. Hilton with any backup quarterback, you know, that's that's a big it's a big hit for a guy that can do so much downfield on those big plays. He's now. He's really in a, he's in Amari Cooper territory. They're they're both like fringy top forty receivers based on their per game fantasy point output so far. Right. So kind of like once you throw out the outlier types that you know randomly scored in their only game played, that puts them both as like wide receiver three types based on production, which no one no one saw that coming, right? Right. Uh, I agree. That's brutal. I have them somewhere, and it's just I hate it. Um, and there's, and there's nothing you can do. Like you said, luck, we don't know when that's going to happen. You figured even if things went bad, he'd probably be back mid season. And it's just a whole lot of nothing going on there. Um, all right, Texans Seahawks, we talked Friday and the, the conversation was around the idea of we, we find out since the Texans are at Seattle, we probably we have a better idea after this game if Deshaun matchup Deshaun Watson is matchup proof and Deshaun Watson is matchup proof at this point completely. Yep, that's that was what the game was going to tell us, and I don't have him anywhere, so I didn't have to make any tough calls as far as sitting him down. But I mean, this game was a, a bigger shootout than anybody would have imagined—a forty-one thirty-eight game in Seattle, right? Uh, I mean, I know the, the pass rush for the Texans, of course, with no Watt, no Merciless uh, is not as good. That's a, that's a big step down. But 400 yards from both quarterbacks, four TDs from both quarterbacks. Watson had 67 rushing yards on top of that. Wilson chipped in with 30 of his own. I mean, part of the, the Watson concern came to fruition. He threw three picks. He was sacked five times. Right. But he still had a monster day anyway. He did. And he's so he's now I want to see how many picks in the games he ha, he's played. He has played in seven. So he's 19 touchdowns and eight picks in seven games. So and seven, I think the first game was. Let's see. He played in the Cincinnati. He played some in the Jacksonville game early. OK, so it's parts of I, I would say parts of seven. Right. 
So in five yeah. starts, he's got five five starts. He's got seven picks. So it's not perfect in real life. I don't think anybody's complaining. I don't think anyone in Houston's complaining about real life to Sean Watson. So I don't mean that. But it's not perfect in real life. But in fantasy, it's just it's a freaking jackpot. I thought he was like a top 10, top 12 fantasy quarterback that undersold it. He's He's been better than that so far. I thought some of the schedule things would start to break against him, including this matchup. It didn't. DeAndre Hopkins, 224 yards and a TD. Will Fuller is a guy that I was just so wrong about. Oh. I mean, part of the, the Will Fuller concern was the injury. I thought he'd be out longer than he was. Came back sooner than expected. He scores a ton. He's a burner who, I mean, I knew what the skill set was. I didn't have any faith that he'd be so good that a rookie quarterback could could produce. But Watson's clearly a lot more than just a rookie quarterback. And every time Watson plays at a high level, I, I come back to the same question. Why did Bill O'Brien think that Tom Savage should have been the starter in week one like why did he choose to do that like that makes no sense to me whatsoever <laughs> i agree i don't understand it either at the time it, it didn't seem as ridiculous as it does now because a lot of people thought even after watson's first couple of games pe- people who watch film looked and said boy there's a lot there's there's a lot of work to do here you know he's dropping his eyes and he's doing this and that and fundamentally he's just you know he's not there and now Damn. he's a he's you know I, I, is it all fixed? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think I think he's he's still developing a full level of confidence in him, despite the fact that he's been really good, which is is kind of strange. But mm-hmm. uh, Lamar Miller scored twice, so that's that's a big day for him in a in a pretty tough spot. I mean, the yardage totals he had to he had to earn the fifty four yards on the ground and twenty one carries, but two TDs for him. So the, the thing about Houston that's really fascinating is they concentrate their production over really three guys in Watson. It's Miller Hopkins fuller. That's it. There's not really anybody else you have to account for. Uh, so that makes them kind of like a great modern techno sort of team. <laughs> well, uh, so, go, go ahead. What do you got? No, I, I want to ask you about fuller again. So you look at him and you say, man, we've been dead wrong. I know I have every week. People ask, should I play fuller? I'm like, no, you shouldn't play Fuller. He doesn't, you know, doesn't get enough looks. I mean, in most cases, I don't want to play him. So four games, He's got 13 catches and seven touchdowns. Now, this coming week, they're playing home against Indy. Yes, I am probably going to tell people to play Will Fuller. But process-wise, like, where do you go? This is so extreme. I mean, the guy's got 13 catches in four games. And it's so extreme here with, with this, you know, the, the amount of production he's getting and the amount of touchdowns he's scoring. Process-wise, I still think you got to look at Will Fuller and go, I don't know. I mean, at, at some point, do you just throw your hands up and say, forget it, whatever. I don't care what the, what the logical data says. I'm playing him because he scores two touchdowns every game. But process-wise, it's not a great, other than this coming week, he's still not, you know, it, 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 it's not perfect. There's, there's issues here. And if we follow our normal process, I don't know if we love Will Fuller yet. Well, uh, yeah, the, the rare 52-catch, 28-touchdown season <laughs> uh, is what he's pacing out for through four games. And uh, I think the description I heard of, of Fuller uh, that our buddy Mario Puig used was was that he's 
babbing his way to a, a crazy good start. And that's, I mean, yep. it's a fair description of what's happening. He's doing everything you could possibly do with a small volume to be extremely productive. I mean, full point PPR leagues, the four games he's played, Will Fuller's averaging 21 points per game, which is just totally nuts. Uh, what do you, what's your gut call for week nine without even knowing the prices yet on Fuller? Is he kind of a, an automatic DFS fade for you because of the way he's been doing this? Everybody will want him. And I am far from a DFS pro, but everybody will want him because of the opponent and because of the way he's been playing. So it, it, if you want a high ownership, I mean, like, again, I don't know what the price is going to be, but it's probably not going to be astronomical. Well, I don't know. Okay, hold on a second. Um, I'm going to find that out. I'm going to do, I'll do DraftKings first. How about that? Yeah, we guess we have the technology. We can, can look this stuff yeah, up. Yeah, really, it's, it shouldn't be that hard. All right. Um, so the millionaire. Dun, dun, dun. I'm going to look there. I'm going to talk fanball because after this. This went well. So he's 7,000 this week. So 7,000 on DraftKings. 7,000 on DraftKings. He is literally, for Sunday's slate, he is literally the sixth highest priced wide receiver. So they basically, they're, they're not daring you to, they're, they're, they're saying now if you want him, pay up. Yeah, it's the same uh, on FanDuel. Sixth highest price for the Sunday slate, 7,800. Yep. And now, now DeAndre Hopkins is 9,100. He's the most expensive receiver on the main slate by $600 on FanDuel. Right. Um, all right. Well, um, actually, I want to check while we're here, while we're talking about DFS, the FanBall double up over the weekend. Let's see. How did the... I was, I was not in that. I, I thought I did not sign up for it. So basically, it was a double up. Heaney and, and Vlad Sadler and I were in... And the, the, it's a double up. And the idea is that if you beat all three of us, you. Well, this is last week's. What is this? Where is this week's? All right. Vlad, Vlad sent me a screenshot and I'm not logged in, but no, it's still live. It's not in your history because it's, it's still. All right. That's true. It's Thank actually you. Pending. All right. Hold on. My contest live. Here we go. Leaderboard. Where is it? Come on now, John. Double up here. That's my lineup. There's the leaderboard, and it's loading, everybody. Please amuse yourselves while this page loads. Um, why is it taking so long to load? Yeah, I finished third. So I got Vlad. Actually, Vlad was fourth, and I was third. So I got him. So only two people won the extra money yesterday. Vlad was fourth last week out of 114. This week, we had 83 people. And I finished third and Vlad finished fourth. So we've been putting up pretty good performance company-wise in this, in this little contest on FanBall. Yeah, that's, that's doing, it's doing really well. Yeah. So I, you know why I had yesterday? Because I had Deshaun Watson. I wish I had Watson going yesterday. I didn't. I had all those running backs I was talking about. And I had the wrong cheap receivers. Like, I, I should have trusted Robbie Anderson. Like, he went off yeah. in the Atlanta game again. Like, 140 yards, a TD. He's kind of a sneaky guy that's you mentioned McCown before is is better than we think. I think Robbie Anderson should be getting a lot of that credit too. Yeah, he's he's doing pretty well. He's he's a solid week week to week wide receiver three type at this point. So all right, Cowboys Redskins. Um 
Terrell Pryor? Dead to us, I think. Is he a cut like in 10 team leagues? Yes. I mean, why, why not? Why not in 12s? Could be in 12s also. I mean, I was thinking like my home league has a super flex and I've got a few guys on by, got a couple injuries of better players. I, I could I could see that being an easy, easy decision to walk away. Uh, Jordan Reed, he got dinged up in this game, didn't he? Um, hang on. I hope I hope he got dinged up if he only had one catch for five yards. I hope there's a reason for it at least. I don't know. I didn't see. Yeah, ham, hamstring injury. Oh, shocker! There you go. Shocker that Jordan Reed got hurt. That never happens. Brutal. Oh man. I don't have him in season long, but I had him going uh, in DFS yesterday because you know why he's 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 meant for DFS. It's great. <laughs> he's totally meant for DFS because when he plays, he should be good. But uh, one target. For Terrell Pryor, 20 snaps. So, hmm. see ya. We're done. Don't be stubborn. Like That'll me. do it. Yep. Okay. Um, Steelers-Lions. Juju. That guy. That uh, that long touch. What was it 97 yards or 93? 97. Yeah. And he just outran everybody. Did you hear what he said afterward? No. What did he say? He was looking back at the guys chasing. There were three guys chasing him. And he outran them. And they looked back. Someone asked him... It, 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 I, I don't have the exact context, but they asked him why he kept looking back. And he said, well, the reason I look back is because on Madden, my speed is only 82 or 83. So I always think they're going to catch me. <laughs> That's a great he's, line. He's definitely playing the part of the, the league's youngest player very well. He is. <laughs> With the bike last week and all that, he's doing he's, a fine he's job. He's embraced it. And did you see the touchdown celebration? Yeah. That was good. Yeah, the, the chain, yeah. Well, the, well not the chain, the, the bench press. Oh, the bench press. I, I, I thought it was the uh, – I thought you were referring to the sideline where he was locking up the the stationary bike. I did not see that. Yeah, that was that was going on later. I mean that game, uh, even though it was standalone, it got a lot less of my attention because of the yeah. aforementioned Game 5 of the World Series. Um, when Le'Veon Bell got a touchdown, uh, Juju got on all fours like a bench and Le'Veon laid down on top of him and bench pressed the football. <laughs> These guys, right. these guys are bringing it on their touchdown celebrations. Let me tell you, it's it's all it's all opened up right now. Yeah, I mean the Steelers after last. No, I don't think they got a long way to go to beat last week's hide and seek. For me, yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be tough to beat. <laughs> all right, um, anything else in this game? Amir Abdullah is still no good. Um, there's no, Marvin Jones played well. Yeah, I, I kind of thought Abdullah could do a little something in this game. I mean, it's kind of an overlooked, no one was talking about him sort of matchup. I mean, I didn't I didn't invest in it. I just thought the Steelers, their their weakness defensively has been more against the run than against the pass. Uh, but Abdullah didn't cash in. Only 11 carries. I think they were running theoretic at the goal line late in the game, too. So just don't don't have Lions running backs right now. It's just a miserable yep. way to go. Stafford goes over 400 yards. Year, right. Yeah, it, it's a, you could just cut that from this podcast and like splice it into future years podcasts, and I'm sure it would hold up. Stafford goes over 400 yards, doesn't throw a TD pass. Like that's pretty weird. Yep. Um, yeah, I agree. That was. I mean, he seemed to be throwing kind of well, but yeah, I, I was in and out of that game too. Um, all right, what else uh, tonight? Broncos Chiefs. Um, I have a guy on Twitter saying to me right now, "Hey." PPR down 21. I have Kareem Hunt. Am I dead? I say no. 21 on Kareem Hunt against Denver. Against Denver. That's right. Full PPR. Yep. 
So in in the satellite show, it'd be the chance. It'd be the chances to win segment. That's right. I, I, I love when they do that. By the way, yeah, lit lists uh, very precisely. Yes, goes through a, a series of really complex calculations, and then uh, reveals your actual chances of, of being being a winner based on scenarios just like that one. It's it's probably the best segment in sports media, and only like <laughs> 180 people know about it. But it's it's really good. Uh, actually, if you listen to this podcast now, you can probably jump on. It'll be uh, 12:45 Eastern. I think is the time that it runs on Mondays now. Right. So get yeah. in there for that. It's very precise. It's it's you say who you have and and list within four seconds says I think your chances of winning are 38.3 percent. So in in standard scoring, which doesn't apply here, let's, let's see what the, what are the what are the, what are the Broncos given up in PPR this year? They've given up a total. No, no more than 18.9 fantasy points in a game yet this season, but they haven't faced a back maybe of Kareem Hunt's caliber just yet. I mean, they got McCoy on the on the ledger. McCoy got 13.9 against them. Melvin Gordon got 18.9 in the opener. It's possible. I'd say like 10, 15 percent. So not dead. Yeah, I, I think not dead either. And uh, I wonder how this game's going to go. I wonder how. It's so easy to think that the Bronco offense is going to be a dumpster fire again. Almost too easy. You know what I mean? I mean, it should be because, I mean, without Emmanuel Sanders, it's, there, there's some tough sledding there. But I don't know. I wonder if they step up a little and are respectable that way. So I don't know. I keep waiting for them just to run the ball more effectively. That's, that's what I keep waiting for is just. You know, the the running game with Anderson and Charles to start clicking a little more. And with that, it could take a lot of the pressure off of uh, Trevor Simeon. Right. Yeah, I hope CJ as a CJ Anderson owner somewhere, I'm kind of hoping for a decent night. But we'll see. Yeah, I've got I've got him going in the NFFC. And, and in that league, the main event league, the, the overall record is bad, but the points production has been good. So there's still a chance that getting into you know, the playoffs and bonuses and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm almost at the point now where the head to head, I don't even sweat it because I, I can't rally back enough for that to matter, but I can just pile up gross point totals every week, gross yeah. in a good way. Uh, things will be good. All right. Um, everybody listeners to our podcast and get a free 10 day rotowire trial of rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That'll let you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now. Rotowire.com slash pod. Um, hey, do you have a Halloween costume planned? I was going to go as Mr. Peanut Butter from BoJack Horseman. And I just I got, I got kind of lazy and didn't didn't get the right track pants to do it. Got it. Because I don't know if you ever watched the show. But I have he's, not. He's a dog, um, but he's he's like, you know, anthropomorphized into a person. And he's, a, he's an actor like, like BoJack's a horse. But so he's a golden retriever who. Uh, he always wears a black V-neck T-shirt because he insists you can only hang your sunglasses on a V-neck. You can't do it on a on a non-V-neck T-shirt. <laughs> okay. I think there's an episode where they proved that wrong. And uh, he's always wearing like blue, like kind of almost Adidas-looking track pants, and that's just that's that's his thing. And aviators, so it's an easy costume to do. Only like one person I'd run into over the course of Halloween would even get it because most people don't watch that show. Right. That's what I was gonna do, and decided that's not worth the effort but we got the 
we get the lion's mane for our for our puppy because you know they had the Amazon commercial where yeah. the the baby's afraid of the dog, and then the dad orders the the lion's mane, and then it's all good. And my wife saw that, and she's like, "We got to get that lion's mane." And I, I saw it, and I was like, "Yeah, we we do. We should." If we're going to get her a costume, we should do that because she has that kind of lion look to her already. So it'll be it'll be a fun Halloween. Just just parading Hazel around the neighborhood and using her as a, a means for us to get chocolate that she can't eat. Right. That's good. I mean, that'd be like, you know, if you were single, it would be a way to, you know, meet people. But since you're married and you both have the dog, it's a way to get candy. It's definitely a way to meet people like I I've I've assumed that to be true my entire life like oh yeah people with dogs like it's just people are always interested in puppies and it it, it definitely makes you more social like everybody almost everybody you walk by when you have a nice dog will stop and talk to you right yep all right i'm trying to figure out a last minute costume because i've hmm, not done a last minute it. costume. And i don't want it to be lazy like oh i'm putting on a football jersey and i'm eli manning like not not like that how many how many Thanksgiving or how many Halloweens have you gone as Eli Manning? I I, I don't know if I've ever done it because I don't have a helmet. Maybe basketball. Like my son is you know didn't do anything. He's ten. He's like, oh, I'm going to Stephen Curry. I'm like, but you wear that to school. It's the same thing. <laughs> so I don't know. I want something. I think I'm going to do something with makeup. Last year I did Freddy Krueger and I did a pretty good job on the makeup. All right. And all I right. tried to scare Freddy all the neighborhood kids. Basically, I sat in front of my house and gave out candy, and kids would. Very, you know, they'd stop at my sidewalk. They look down the driveway. And go, I'm not going up there. Yeah, look, that, that guy's weird. I'm not, right. I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't want those twicks. I'm out of here. <laughs> so, if anyone can think of a good costume for me to throw together at the last minute that doesn't require a big investment, please tweet me at jhalpin37. Tweet Derek at Derek Van Riper. Um, anything? What should people look out for this week? Facebook, uh, Facebook Q and A's. Jake's doing one uh, on waivers on Tuesday afternoon, five thirty Eastern. That's yep. good. Yep. And let's see, no baseball content launching quite yet. We're going to get that going about a month from now. So if you're looking ahead to that, but uh, the usual columns, Jeff's rankings will be up midweek. Uh, Mario's film review, lots of good stuff over the course of the week. Rotowire.com slash pod, P-O-D. Uh, apparently there's a bad butter shortage in France right now. What? So yeah, like empty shelves, like where, where butter, you know, we, you go to the store here and there's butter for days packed into the cooler gone in france where i think butter is even more important in france than it is in america yeah they make everything with butter don't they everything huh Sorry, croissants gone just wow. none there won't be any because the butter's gone this is i gotta read up on this it's interesting yeah stuff. not a hoax this would be this would be a good like april fools kind of thing but definitely not um not that <laughs> all right <laughs> Everybody, thanks for the reviews and the ratings. We appreciate them. Keep them coming. And thanks for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Our next episode, the Halloween edition, will be coming on Tuesday. Jake Latarski and I will talk about some uh, waiver wire options for you. So come on and check it out with six more buys this week. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.